Welcome to Tucson New Thought. You know, as I thought about singing that song today, I know you're out there. I know you're in there. I know you're out there. I know you're in there. Um, you know, I, I, one of the things that I work to do is in the message that I'm going to provide on a Sunday, I allow myself to listen to the music, to listen to the lyrics, to really look at the lyrics and allow what is coming up through me to just come up and speak to that on some level. And it actually goes right in alignment with what today's uh, theme is, which is the next chapter which I chose these themes before I actually even knew I was going to be coming to Unity as the minister here. Uh, I chose these back in January when I was thinking about, well, what, did I want, what do I want the tone of this year to be? And so the, the, over, the, 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 the vision of 2020, vision of, is, is the theme that I've taken on in my ministry for 2020 vision. It's 20, I'm not really clarifying. Let me, you know what, I'm going to say it, and then I'm going to really get clear on what it is I'm saying. I'm getting ahead of myself. What I'm trying to say is this. For 2020, the overarching theme for me is 2020 vision. I mean, that seemed appropriate. It's 2020 vision, allowing ourselves to to engage our own vision and let that be the guide from which everything unfolds. So what is our 2020 vision? And I've, I also love to do monthly themes, and the monthly theme for April is harmony and wholeness. Now, that I had not come up with until right at the end of March, and it was in response to everything that was happening and is continuing to happen in the, the world that I feel like we can use a lot more harmony and wholeness in our lives, and so that's what I wanted the theme to be. But this idea of the next chapter really resonates with me today. And... And I'm going to align it a little bit with, with one of the lyrics in the song that repeats itself consistent, consistently. Of course, you hear, I know you're out there, I know you're in there. But this one lyric, common knowledge doesn't know the jewels below. Common knowledge doesn't know the jewels below. And I, and, and I think about this idea of common knowledge. And we've all heard it said, common knowledge is not that common. <laughs> you ever heard that? Common knowledge doesn't know the jewels below. I had an odd reaction to this idea, to that notion. I had an odd reaction to this idea of common knowledge. Uh, You know, maybe, maybe I don't want to be considered common. Maybe what I think, maybe what I believe, maybe I don't want that to be considered common. You know, I think about people throughout history who were not common. Shakespeare wasn't common. Uh, Einstein wasn't common. Isaac Newton, Galileo, Michelangelo, Oprah, Lady Gaga, Buddha, Yogananda, none of them are common, right? They were all forward thinkers. They were all people who were rooted in what is next? What is the way that I can allow myself to evolve naturally? You know, I spoke earlier, I said earlier that before becoming a minister, my life was devoted to performing. I was, a, I was an actor and I was a singer. And everything that moved through me was, what can I do? How can I be that much better? Not just as an actor or a singer, but as a person. But that's what really motivated me. And so that moment when I was sitting in a, in a New Thought church on a Sunday, and I, had, oh, I, was, I was dragged there kicking and screaming, but I sat there and I thought, oh, that's what I'm meant to be doing. That was the illumination for me. That was very unexpected. 
And if I had rooted myself in common knowledge, I would never have discovered those jewels below. The benefit, there is a benefit to bucking the trend. So the benefit of bucking the trend of common knowledge may be the releasing of our inner genius. And we are all genius. We all have genius to share. I believe this. I believe we all have inner genius. And when we give over to the inner genius, we create our dream life. Are you ready to create your dream life? Are you? I am. <laughs> And I, would think, I, I, I might almost say, many of you may be living your dream life, but what is the next dream? Because the nature of spirit, the nature of God is to consistently unfold itself in new ways and in more magnificent creation, and it is consistently flowing through in and as us. Fundamental. This is a fundamental premise to new thought, to the unity philosophy, to the religious science philosophy. It doesn't matter. It's all new thought. You know, and I get a lot of, I'm getting a little pushback. I'm just saying, I'm getting a little pushback because I do come from a, the religious science side of things and I am stepping into teaching unity in some manner. And I've said it a few weeks in a row. It's all language because we're teaching the exact same thing. And fundamental to that is this idea. Thought creates. Thought creates. Our lives are the, the expression and the experience of our lives. The circumstances of our lives are the result of creative thought. Now, if we are in common thought, we are aligned with the collective, and that maintains the common experience, and that may or may not have benefit. Right now, I think the degree to which we are holding on to common thought is not benefiting the healing of this world. And so our work as people who know the truth and can, can use our minds and know that our thought creates, our work can be on the healing of the world, not all the detrimental effects that are happening in the world. Now, now, I also want to be very clear. We don't have to change the world. We don't have to change the world. But I want us all to also understand that we can, that we have the power to change the world. We can live our most extraordinary life, and no one would ever need to know. We can live our most extraordinary life and no one would ever need to know. We don't need to make our lives about what's out there. I think fulfillment ultimately is inner work. It's inner work. When we are focused on our inner work, here's what happens. The outer world takes care of itself. When I began when I began my life in ministry, I was rooted in an idea. I was rooted in an idea about what my ministry might look like. And we're encouraged to do this when we are in ministerial studies. We are encouraged to say, what is, what is your vision for ministry? What do you think it's going to look like? How do you think it'll unfold? What, 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 what? And what I have discovered is that while I have set ideas into motion, those ideas, the idea of what my vision for ministry is, it's always in a constant state of forming itself. One thing I knew, one thing I knew, 
beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that I wanted accessibility for everyone. I wanted anyone who wanted to, anyone who might be out there looking to be able to find this ministry easily. I wanted people to be able to find it easily, to find the truth that resonated for me. I, as I express it, I wanted people to be able to find that. So I insisted from day one that my ministry be virtual. From day one. Going all the way back, I helped establish a virtual ministry when I was the administrator for uh, Spiritual Center in my ministerial studies. And then when I became a minister and I went to Toronto, Ontario, I, from day one, said every single one of my messages will be put online. And as quickly as we can get to it, we are going to go live and broadcast on the internet live. And when I left uh, Toronto and I came to Tucson and I was starting over all again from just a tiny little seed in Carrymont's in my sister's backyard, a tiny little seed, and I said, it's very important to me to ensure that not only are we meeting here in person in her backyard, but we are going to also be online. And so I set up a whole online infrastructure to ensure that from day one, we were, I was putting myself out there in a virtual way. So that was fundamental to the vision. <laughs> now, at that time, I didn't know that that decision and the actions that followed would ultimately become a necessity in ministry. I mean, who, who knew, right? Right now, virtual ministry is a necessity. What we have to offer, the messages that we have to offer, it's become a necessity to, to express it in this particular fashion. And it's not easy. I mean, I'm going to tell you. People have said, wow, you really, you're really going for it up there, and you're really able to engage and keep it going. And I say, yes, I can. And I will also tell you it's not easy. It's not because we also, the interaction of people in a room helps a lot. So this has been a challenging time, right? But I know that my mind creates. And if I'm looking for what the next chapter is in this thing called ministry, in this thing called life, I know that I have the power within myself because one alone in consciousness constitutes a complete majority. I know that I have that which is within me which allows this to morph itself into what is necessary for the good of the whole. So while virtual ministry is a necessity, and that is the way that we are engaged, and that's the way that we are communicating, I know that it won't always be that way, but it will always be part of the paradigm. I knew when I started, I knew I had the dream of being virtual. My spiritual family didn't just need to be in the room. And you know what? Even being virtual, my spiritual family is not just in the room. Uh, I want to give a shout out to, um, uh, to Blessing, Blessing Akpanabasi, Blessing Akpanabasi, who watches us from Nigeria and has been very engaged uh, in, in, a, in this time that I've been here in Tucson. We have connections of people who watch in Cuba. We have pe people who are watching in Australia, Italy, India. We have people who watch from all over the world. And you know what? We are connected. We are one family. We're not connected just by tech. We are connected by this infinite creative thing that is driving and flowing forth as life. We are one people living on one planet. We are one family. And let us never forget that who I am here in this moment is just as effective for someone halfway around the world 
just as they have an effect on me. We're in this together. And I think the more we root ourselves in that, the more we heal, the more we come into common unity, community. So the dream is the key. The dream for whatever may be coming up is key. And not from an ego point of view. It is not a dream that I think should be rooted in, I want to have. I believe that the dream from the notion of, I want to be, is what is key here. And for me, that's a capital, that is a capital uh, case, that is an uppercase ego, entertaining God only. Entertaining God only. So today is all about the next chapter. And so my question to you is, and this, is, this will probably become the joke here, as it did in, uh, for the last two years in our tiny little uh, postage stamp spaces. Um, when I ask a question, I have to clarify whether it's rhetorical or not. So this is rhetorical. I want you to bring this to mind and allow yourself to simply resonate with whatever comes up for you. And don't judge it. Just allow it to be there. If today is all about the next chapter, then the question is this. What do you want to be? What do you want to be? And allowing whatever presents itself to come up through you. Imagine a day. Dream of a day when your world looks like what you want it to look like. Would it be the same as it is now? It might be. How might it be different? What might you need to change in your own life to allow this vision to come to fruition? And then do you have the willingness, the willingness to make the change? It all starts with willingness. And from willingness comes activity. Now, it's not a necessity that you engage in this unless you want it to be. The next chapter is entirely up to you. Entirely up to you. Who we are as a spiritual community is up to us as a community. And I really, really, truly, deeply look forward to the day when we get to gather in the same room in person again, knowing that we have a global family always. I am so looking forward to the day when we get to come together. And you know, the integration of two communities is so exciting to me. And, and while there's been a little happening online, you know, Imagine what it's going to be like when we're in the room together. The, this idea of activating the next chapter can be alive in your heart. It can be alive in your heart. So what is your inner genius offering? You don't need to be Shakespeare. You don't need to be Oprah. You don't need to be Lady Gaga. You don't need to be Buddha. You don't need to be anything other than you because you are magnificent. You are this magnificent creative source. You are God. 
when you are your authentic self, you cannot help but allow that magnificence to overflow from within you. Your fulfillment is an inside job. Nobody ever wants to hear that. They want to be fulfilled by the things out there because advertising tells us that that's how we will be fulfilled. But fulfillment is an inside job. And so I want to end today's message with a story about someone who created a next chapter for themselves. In 1982, a woman named Catherine decided to live her next chapter. Now, she had been a, uh, she had been a psychiatry nurse, nurse for most of her career, psychiatry nurse and a housewife in Chicago, and she had this dream. She had this dream. She had a dream to be a performer. And so in 1982, she was 42 years old. She decided she was going to take the leap. She had just gotten a divorce. She decided she was going to take the leap and start performing in community theater. And so she did. And she had some success in community theater. About 10 years later, she was hired at Disney World as a street performer. So at 52, she goes to Orlando, Florida from Chicago and is hired and works for several years as a street performer in Dis at Disney World. That took her to Hollywood in 1995. And four years later, 1999, at the age of 60, she landed a recurring role on The West Wing television show. Now, I don't know if you're in the room, if any of you know that show at all. Um, it was a beautiful, beautiful role. She was on that show for two years, uh, playing Dolores Landingham, the, uh, the president's personal assistant. And two years after that, she landed a role on Desperate Housewives. Catherine Joustin, at the age of 42, took a leap to live her next chapter, to really engage in her dream. Motivated not by a need for accolades, she just decided to live her dream. And that role on Desperate Housewives won her an Emmy Award. It was never about the award. It was about the next chapter. So I ask you this. What undiscovered genius is flowing through you right here and right now? What is it you might be sitting on? A dream, a light within. What can you activate right now? I think that this time that we have been given to distance ourselves, I'm choosing for myself to look at it as a period of reflection, as a gift for what can be. The next chapter for each and every one of us begins when you turn one day into day one. When you turn one day into day one, your next chapter begins. The time is now. The person is you. Be bold and live your next chapter. Namaste. Hello, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of My Sunday Message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, 
www.tucsonnewthought.org. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.